So welcome guys. Um this is our podcast. My name's Ravi. I'm Rav. And uh this is our podcast is called Born and Then Raised. Yeah. And uh here on the podcast <laughs> I guess we just wanted to talk about um random topics, I guess. I mean Honestly, daily yeah. tea if you wanna say if you wanna call it that. Uh sports, music. Anything that's really on our mind. I feel like as young twenty, twenty one year olds, we have mm-hmm. an interesting perspective on the world and you know, Absolutely. The, the rest of the world is kind of like what we make it. So we yeah, kind of just wanted to open yeah. dialogue on really anything. Right. Um, just basically stuff that a lot of us have an opinion about, but just feel we're not quite educated to have one. And so a lot of people don't share what they think about certain topics. So I guess it was important to us to establish this platform where we can, you know, talk about those things and let people share ideas and thoughts on things that, you know, we all we all obviously care about in life. Yeah. Honestly. All right, that being said, welcome to Born and Then Raised. So welcome, guys. This is our episode, episode one. We've titled it 8 Minutes and 46 Seconds. And obviously, you know, that means a lot to everybody if you've been keeping track with what's happening on social media lately. Um, of course, you know, this is not the main reason why we started this podcast. Like the idea of starting one has been, we've been, you know, we've been tossing it around for a couple of weeks, probably months now. And, um, I guess as time progressed and we came closer to actually recording our first episode, it became apparent that it was obviously an issue that we had to discuss first. And I guess that's, that's why we decided to talk about this issue in our first episode. Yeah. All right. So, I mean... I guess the general gist of what we're going to be talking about is we're going to try our best to break this down into three different conversations. I mean, yeah. first off, handling the issue at hand, George Floyd and his passing, rest in peace. Um, the actual protesting, you know, whether it's violent, peaceful, this, that, and the third. And the public reaction. And I think the public reaction to this situation is actually probably the most interesting conversation that I want to have. Oh, absolutely. I think right? that's something that I really want to talk about. Not no. Um, disrespect to George Floyd and his passing. It's it's still a very, very important idea to know where this all started, but I think it's yeah. very important to also look ahead and kind of see the way that we respond to stuff like this. Right. You know? I think honestly, when we look at the whole situation, I think the impact is where we start to have differences when it comes to our opinions, right? I yeah. think one thing that we were able to establish even even, you know, like two weeks or last week when we were talking to all those people that we're speaking to it it was very clear that everyone saw how wrong it was that, uh you know, George Floyd died the way that he did. Obviously, it was brutal. It was a disturbing video. And uh, it's something that was like, it, it was global, you know? Everyone saw it. Like, I recall having conversations with my mom and how she was really upset about it. And she's never been to the U.S., you know? So, obviously, <laughs> it's something that everyone could see was completely brutal and just shouldn't have happened. But I guess everything that's happened as a result is where we start to have conversations that sit down and we start to disagree. So, yeah, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the impact of the death itself rather than the event. Yeah. And, I mean, just directly looking at the actual incident, I know when the first time I actually saw the video, I was a little uneasy. Yeah. Um, I remember you and I were talking about it, and for some strange reason, I didn't feel anything. I was extremely numb to the entire situation. I, It bothered me. But for some strange reason, it felt as though, oh, I mean, it happened again. What else can I do? 
you know, and it's it's uncomfortable that that's the case, but yeah, yeah. I think it's something that kind of opened my eyes a little bit, and it was the most quiet, loud reaction I've ever had to something, ever. Like, I don't think yeah. I've ever had a reaction yeah. to something that would have made me actually spur me to engage in an idea as big as a podcast, you know? Like, I mean, right. I'm not, again, this isn't the only topic that surrounds our podcast, mm. but it's it's a catalyst honestly like i think when it happened right like mm-hmm. as is with most stuff that happens like i know of course that you and i spend a lot of time together um but when stuff like that happens it's usually this we both respond to it in our own separate ways right and we don't really address it until we've given it some thought and what was what i thought was striking about it is that we're both like very confused frustrated and we're just like i don't know what this feeling is but like I feel I need to do something like I, th- I feel like yeah. we, we ought to do it now. So, yeah, honestly, I think, you know, we were talking about probably starting the podcast towards the end of the summer, like yeah. as fall began. And then in that moment, we just had a no, we got to do it now type of feeling. You know, it was like exactly. now is the time we have to put it together like we just have to make it happen. So it it, it was I don't know the the initial reaction to me, like I, I don't really recall how I responded to it, but it was disturbing, obviously. Like, there, yeah. there's no two ways about it. Exactly. Um, it was really sad, honestly. And, I mean, looking at looking at the actual protests, mm-hmm. I think this was, a, this was a conversation that came up in a lot of the talks we've right, had with different right. friends. Um, a lot of people had this dissenting opinion towards, I guess, the violent protests, which, in all honesty, me and me and you actually agreed on. We mm-hmm. we looked at the violent protests and we were like, I don't really quite know if that's the correct way the to move. get the message across. Yeah. But I think we both also understood where the frustration is coming from. And mm-hmm. in a way, it's slightly validated. Right. You know, a lot of this, a lot of these ideas of, I think the first primary conversation we had in terms of violent protests was actually the, the target situation. It was the target situation yeah, in, yeah, in Minneapolis. Yeah. And I remember... There's the idea that, oh, um, small businesses were getting destroyed, and that that hurt me a lot. That that mm-hmm. was that was a little disappointing to hear that um, a lot of small businesses were taking the hit for a situation like this. Um, and a lot of people looked at Target and said, oh, well, they can afford it. And I think Target actually released a statement saying that they understood where the frustration and anger came from. And I think that's honestly really impressive coming from a business as big as Target giving yeah. you know this movement a lot of validation yeah um and also i think this kind of speaks this one fork in the road where all of a sudden we start to talk about oh small businesses are taking a hit and like you know all these monuments and buildings are being attacked and destroyed that's where the conversation seems to diverge for me mm-hmm. i mean like i i completely understand both paths right you know i completely understand it but i do think it takes away from the primary importance of what we're actually talking about. And right. I think that's something that you brought up to me and mm-hmm. I didn't even really notice until I realized I was doing it myself. So, right. I mean, I was honestly very, <clears throat> very frustrated with the whole situation, not necessarily at the protesters or people that disagreed, but both parties for taking the time to, you know, focus on that rather than us talking about the true change that we're trying to see. Because like I said, most well, at least for me, I can see it both ways, right? Like I can see how the violence, the burning down buildings, the looting, all that stuff 
<clears throat> obviously that stuff is bad you know like i don't i don't condone any of that behavior i don't think that's the best way to get your point across but i would also be a fool to sit here and not acknowledge the fact that for a lot of these individuals it's coming from a place of frustration because everything that they've tried in the past hasn't really worked so it's tough for me to really look at the situation and have an opinion as to that's strictly black and white to say yes i stand behind the protests that are you know the violent protests because again there is there is a difference there right like you and i have spoken at length about how for a lot of these protesters like not everyone is going out and looting and being violent and burning down buildings or attacking yeah and i would say a majority owners. are actually peaceful i would right i would say that in confidence right you know? but it's still a tough position to be in when someone asks you right out the gate what do you think about this like is it a yes is it a yes go ahead or it's a no don't and it's like mm. i'm in the middle but uh the one thing i know for sure is this isn't the most important thing about this entire discussion i'll tell you that yeah what we should be focusing on and the real outrage about the the death of george floyd is that we want to see change in that in that aspect right like we want to see an end to that i'm not of course, like we're talking about it, and like you said, by us even discussing it, we're taking away from the conversation. And it's true for a lot of us that we don't even notice or realize when we indulge in such discussions. But it's important to remind ourselves that, hey, there's a bigger issue at hand here, and we were in agreement about that. So why don't we focus on that and try to make change while dying still hot, basically, mm. rather than us focusing on where we have our differences and essentially dragging this thing on without any true solutions you know yeah and i mean it's it kind of speaks on the fact that i know a lot of friends have come forward to us and they've kind of like seeked some direction right but right. in all honesty i don't even think a lot of black people really have the answers you know if someone was to come up to me a strong political figure for mm -hmm. example was to come up to me and ask me Raph, I mean, what do you think we should do? Like, well, what policies do you want removed? Right. What policies do you want instilled? And honestly, I don't know off the top of my head. I know there are some important pieces, but I mm -hmm. understand that it's not as quick and simple as just removing it and then, you know, replacing it with something that's 10 times better. Right. It's, it's like right. this, it's not this golden egg that all of a sudden you just, you kind of put in place and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's it's sorted, you know? Right. So I do think it's it's important to, notice that not everyone has the answers i mean i don't think black people have every answer i don't think white people have every answer but i do think as a community and as groups of people we should be able to talk about this and see where each of us stands and i think that's mm -hmm. something that we've tried to instill in a lot of people that we've talked to a lot of our close friends a lot of right even people who aren't strictly close friends we've right. tried to instill this idea that hey Talk to the people around you. Right. You know, it's if I can go talk to Susie down the block and maybe she can talk to her dad, I did my due diligence. You know, like I think right. I think that's a good start. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that's where it ends, but mm -hmm. I do think that's a great start because a lot of people have come forward to us not knowing what to do. Right. And I don't right. blame them. You know, it's at first off, I didn't know what to do. That's why I was so numb and so mm -hmm. I guess quiet mm -hmm. on the fact at first. And like you stated previously, it's neither of us posted a single thing about it. Like we right. didn't go out, go out right and say like I didn't even post for Blackout Tuesday. Like I, there's a lot of things I didn't just go out and do simply mm -hmm. because I needed to know exactly where I stood because I understand that you know a lot of a lot of my friends 
are going to look at what I do under a very close lens. Exactly. And, but I, I do think it's it's just as bad for white people. Like you know, white people are at a place in, at a, at a time right now where it's like you do one thing wrong, it's, it's <laughs> right, right. It's you could really get blown up for it. Right. And I think everything we do right now is under a very very fine microscope lens right now. So we have to know how to maneuver the conversation very smoothly and very, you know, cleanly. And mm-hmm. yes, I guess you can refute and say or debate and say, oh, yes, you know, the violent protest, that's not being smooth about the conversation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's emotional. You know, like it's right. you have to know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's not just some random, outspoken, angry reaction it actually comes from a place of reason right you know it's just it's just coming out in a very emotional way so i mean before we even like i mean i obviously have something to say about that and before we go in there earlier you mentioned the whole thing with people just reaching out and i know we hadn't planned for this but i think it's important you know for both of us to just take some time and just acknowledge the number of people that did reach out to us yeah and i was i was quite impressed by the number of people that were willing that were willing to like send us a message and be like, I stand behind what you're doing. And it was like, all right, but what do you think? And a lot of people were willing to pick up the phone. And there are some mm-hmm. individuals that, you know, you and I went out of our way to engage in conversation just because for us, they seemed like people whose opinion truly mattered to us. Um, mm, regardless true. of, you know, our relationship to them, I think just by seeing their demeanor was important that we found out what they thought. And I, th- it, it's just, it was an experience like, so Basically, thank you very much to everybody who swiped up on the story and was able to sit down and talk to us. Like we spoke to several people and we learned a lot. Like one of the reasons why you and, you know, like you're saying, we weren't rushing to post anything or never really did post anything on social media is because we kind of understood that um, our views may not be exactly the same as everybody else. And it's important to know and be well informed about an opinion before you just go out and say something, right? Very true. And for us, it was one of those things where by us not posting, we kind of kept an open mind to a lot of things and allowed people to to share what they truly felt, even if we didn't necessarily agree. And so I guess going into it without having a stance kind of helped facilitate the conversation with a lot of people. Absolutely. And so, again, it goes back to the whole thing, like you are saying, you know, we weren't posting. We're just waiting to hear what other people think. And it, it, it it's truly, it brings back our point that when it comes to a situation like this, where if there's a lot of uncertainty going around, the best thing that you can do for yourself is probably speak to the people closest to you. You yeah. know, your family, your colleagues, your classmates, the people that interact with you on a regular basis. Like those are the ones whose opinion truly matters to you. You know, they're the ones who you really want to help. So if they feel that you are to do something to make them feel like you support them, then, you know, be ready to and be willing to have that conversation, you know, as as black people in a, in a, during a time like this, be in a position where, you know, you're willing to sit down with some of your other friends that may not necessarily understand where you're coming from and help th- explain to them what's going on and how you feel about it. And I think that's how we get better, right? I, I've seen a lot of times people posting on social media and getting attacked. And it's like the reason why that happens is because you're speaking to a group of people that don't really know who you are. And so yeah. they don't they don't have the patience that a friend would have. They don't they aren't going to tolerate what you say. And so as long as you disagree, people are going to attack you for it. Like, you know, we talk about how Twitter is like a very dark place. Like it truly Ooh, is. man. Toxic. Like I've seen I've seen some really nice 
you know, friendly tweets be turned into hate crime, literally. Like, you know, people attack <laughs> each other on Twitter. So I guess for a lot of people, it's like, it's it's great if you're at the point where you're comfortable being that loud about an opinion. Like, it's it's great, obviously. Like, ultimately, that's the goal. But it's important for us to acknowledge that not everybody is at the same place. And a lot of mm-hmm. people are too uncertain about the opinions for them to be as loud and as vocal about them. And people are trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah, and that's why we've been we've had an open mind kind of policy about the whole thing, and it it has definitely helped. Like in in the people that I've spoken to, us their feedback has been absolutely fabulous. I'm I'm not even gonna lie, and it's it's rewarding, honestly. Like when we, when you look at it from our point of view, it's definitely rewarding to know you've kind of had an impact in somebody's life. Oh yeah, and that's and an think, impact. But I think they've had an, an impact on our lives too. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's it's not just. And I don't think that that's the way you saw it at all. But like, yeah. I do want to go out and say that that these perspectives has have had an impact on oh, myself yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. And it's, I guess for me, it's always been one of those things where like I could learn really from anyone. Right. You know, as long as you take the time to be informed. I know for me, it's I could literally learn from the most racist individual you could find. Uh-huh. I could find something to learn from them. Right. But as long as as long as you take the time at least to understand why you believe these things, then we can have a conversation. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, I don't, I understand, you know, there's certain things that I might not agree with one person on all the time, uh-huh. but I do know that if they take the time to be informed, it's going to do, it's going to do wonders for me. And it's going to do wonders for our community and our society as a whole. Uh-huh. You know, like I can't really talk to someone who, even if they agree with me, I can't really talk to someone who agrees with me and, they and they're not they they don't they don't know why they believe in what they believe you know right. so i kind of want to take the time to i guess i mean I, I, alongside what you were saying not only just say thank you to those people for reaching mm-hmm. out but also thank you for just showing us absolutely what you believed because right. i i could i was able to tie a lot of their backgrounds mm-hmm. with what they believed and understand mm-hmm. why that was to be so i mean it's a big thanks and honestly continue to do so you know this <laughs> yeah. this podcast even though it's us really talking you know into two mics it's really i guess it's an invitation for discussion you know if you if you want to call yeah on my own free time please feel free like you mm. know I'm, I'm always open to the talk even if we are completely two different two different people you know like i'm yeah. i'm open to yeah. just talk you know um but that being said i think there's now we can segue into, I guess, my favorite part <laughs> of the conversation. It's yeah. the public reaction. And that, that phrase is, it's very broad. Right. And the, the public reaction, I guess you could say, oh, it's the protesting, this, that. No, 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 no. It's it's a lot more to do with that. It's a right. lot of the reaction to not just the Black Lives Matter movement, but in reaction to what's going on, whether it's mm-hmm. in music, whether it's in sports, whether it's in whether it's right. in, I guess, normal day-to-day life. So, right. I mean, one of the first things that I, I know this was one of the things that we disagreed on, <laughs> it was the LA Galaxy, the um, the football team. Sorry, not football, like American football, but soccer. Uh, the soccer team, uh, the LA Galaxy, actually released their midfielder, Alexander Katai. And the story behind it is, essentially, his wife was tweeting out, I believe, or it was on Instagram. It was one I think of the it was two. A, it was an Instagram story. It was an Instagram story. Yeah. She put an Instagram story and she was talking about the George Floyd about the George Floyd protest. That's the way she referred it. That's the way she referred to it. And she wrote it in Serbian 
And when it was translated, it was essentially an extremely racist, um, harsh take on the entire situation. Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, I understand why the LA Galaxy <laughs> released him. I guess it's we kind of started to get in this argument of, oh, saving face, right? right like a lot of these right. businesses right now, because of the I, I hate to say it, I hate to explain it this way, but because of the political climate, mm-hmm. a lot of companies seem to be doing things in re, in response to it. So the LA Galaxy releasing, you know, this midfielder because of something that his wife said, mm-hmm. I didn't quite see too much of an issue with it. I understood why they did it. Um, but Ravi, your uh, <laughs> your opinion was very I mean, different be- from mine. Before, so. obviously, I disagree with you. I think it's important to mention that. You know, when we say release, it wasn't just like they oh, fired yeah. him for it. It was mm-hmm. more like they paid off the remainder of his contract and they just kind of cut ties with him and told him, you know, cut his contract short so he can't play for them, essentially. But he's got the money and everything. According to the reports, he was like he was OK with it. I guess he was pretty remorseful the whole the whole time, the entire experience. But I guess to me, once I started to find out some of the details of the issue, that's where I kind of started to to disagree a little bit Mm -hmm. um at first when i heard that he got released because of his wife's comments i guess to me it was tough because of course there has to be accountability and i think everyone ought to be held responsible for their actions and the words that they speak but this is a unique situation in this in the fact that it wasn't necessarily him who said so yeah, and no, I true. I think in my opinion the appropriate response would have been for LA Galaxy to push for him to make a public statement to try and distance himself from his wife's comments, but basically figure out if he had anything to do with it, right? Like uh, launch an investigation, whatever it may be. I think they acted prematurely, in my opinion. And then there's a whole thing that right that he wasn't in the same state as his wife like i think he was in he was in florida i believe at a training camp with yeah he's in miami yeah with, with some of his teammates and his wife was like back home in chicago when this happened and he i guess he found out about the comments the instagram posts when the general manager called him in for a meeting or something like that so he it it, it caught him by surprise as well again it just goes back i guess to what raf is saying like we disagreed because you obviously see you you see it as you know they were well within your rights and i don't disagree like i don't think they would have released him if it wasn't a part of the contract in some way shape or form but i just think that we ought to they they w- didn't want to take responsibility for drawing the line somewhere so mm. they had to do the most extreme thing to try and save face like you said it you know look good as i describe it whatever but ultimately i just think they went a little bit too far and at least before they had all the facts or before they did like a full investigation to really see what was going on mm. of course as a married couple that you you could argue that you know they share the same bed and so they should share the same ideas or at least know what the other person is doing but again you know it's two separate individuals uh, i i obviously use this example and i said it would be similar to denying a child a college acceptance because of the child's parents views you know yeah, true. It, it it sounds it sounds like I'm taking it a little bit too far, but it just goes to show that, you know, maybe he wasn't completely responsible. Like if he came out and he said he had nothing to do with it and, you know, he felt bad about it, I'd be like, I believe him. Absolutely. Because it wasn't it, they weren't his comments explicitly. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, it is what it is. It happened. We're probably going to disagree on that one for a really long time. Yeah, more likely. <laughs> <laughs> 
But hey, good for him though, right? Like he took it like a champ. Apparently, he yeah. didn't seem he he didn't have a problem with it at all. And I think he understood that at a time like this, stuff like that happening is just unacceptable. Uh, mm-hmm. both both for you know the sake of the organization, just their reputation, as well as his own reputation as 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 an individual, right? And I know we you were you were telling me earlier the <laughs> his teammate who was talking about that he wasn't surprised he got released because yeah that was actually a <laughs> lot was more actually funny. funny it was actually like for for the situation i get it oh no it's sad yeah, of but course. like the fact that his teammate from a prior team was like you know no, i'm not surprised he got released it's like okay i guess i guess maybe there's some history i guess so i think it was it was cj sapong i believe his name is yeah. he's um he's a player for the chicago fire and he said oh i'm not surprised uh that he got released because there was, I guess, numerous situations where, specifically in play, where um, Katai would purposefully not give him the ball in, like, perfectly reasonable scoring like, situations. So, <laughs> I mean, I find that kind of funny that, like, you know, it's kind of somewhat personal in that way. But, yeah. I mean, to each his own. But speaking of soccer, um, primarily at in the Premier League uh, over in England, uh, you, you were telling me, Ravi, that, like, apparently – they're allowing their players to kneel during the national anthem yeah. for England. Yeah. Um, they're also, I mean, apart from that, there's also that, I don't know how far true it is. It may mm. be something they've been talking about, but they were thinking about, you know, like you were talking about that yesterday, replacing every player's name. Oh on yeah. The back of the Jersey with the black lives matter kind of hashtag. Yeah. No, I saw that post on Bleacher games or something. Yeah. So I guess in, you know, in light of that, they definitely, making changes and trying to show their support for something that maybe not a lot of people realize, but mm. you know, players in, in England have been struggling with or players in Europe and as a whole, you know, like, I don't know how well people know this, but players like Raheem Sterling have repeatedly felt like complaints against the FA board to talk, talking about how they are taunted during games, people calling them all sorts of racist names and liking them to animals and stuff like that. And I think Tony Rudiger as well, you know, uh, Chelsea center back. And honestly, when it comes to the Premier League, just because I've been following it for literally all my life, I would say it's about time, man. Honestly, um, a lot of the times they've they've kind of come out and agreed, you know, shown support. It's nothing like it's nothing like how it has been here in America, where the support is met with a lot of distaste, I guess, and and. Um, leagues haven't professional leagues haven't really done much, but just allow I guess people to do their own thing. I think it's 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 a good it's a step in the right direction. The fact that the Premier League is coming out and actually doing these things like within the organization itself and not just leaving it on the players, you know. Like I think I think it's 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 great to see that happening and it's about time. And I know Raheem Sterling again said something earlier where he was talking about. Um, some of the former uh, Premier League players. I know he used the example of Frank Lampard, who's the current Chelsea manager, and Ashley Cole. I don't know where Ashley Cole is coaching, but I think he has an assistant coach uh, position mm-hmm. at one of the mid-tier uh, clubs. Yeah. And he was talking about how they were both very successful during their time playing for their clubs and playing for their country because they're both Englishmen. And he raised a good point and said... It, it, you know, it looks like Frank Lampard being 
of course, the white guy. And I know you're using another example, and I just can't think of it right now. But it was referring, he was talking about how Frank Lampard has gotten more opportunities for coaching and has had more people show, showing support and giving him praise for the success that he's had at Chelsea as the manager so far. And actually, Cole hasn't gotten that that same attention, even though, as I know it, because, you know, I'm a Chelsea fan, obviously, as I know it, actually, Cole and Frank Lampard have had similarly successful careers at Chelsea. Like, I would I would regard both of them to be Chelsea legends. And okay. if if we have a Hall of Fame, I think they'll both be inducted into it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, he raised a good point. And I think what he was trying to say by that is we're obviously making steps in the right direction. Well, at least in England, in the EPL. They're definitely making steps in the right direction, but there's still more to be done. I think that's that was that's what he was trying to point out. You oh, know, they've oh. gone as far. I know in some cases they've gone as far as like banning certain fans from ever attending a game again because they made racist comments. And well, I mean, that's happening in the NBA too, right? Right. So yeah. I think I think it's good. I mean, I like what they've done so far, mm-hmm. and to know that. You know, of course, like we said, the whole George Floyd protest and the situation itself has become a global issue. It's it's nice to see that elsewhere outside of the U.S., where perhaps the pressure isn't as intense, people are still making changes. It, yeah. It's it's good to see, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> following that topic of, I guess, football in Europe. Yeah. I guess we can look over to the NFL here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen what maybe Drew Brees said or um, a lot of his teammates, or maybe even have an opinion dating back all the way back to 2016 in terms of Colin Kaepernick. But I think this conversation, um, it encompasses a lot of different different ideas. It encompasses not only the kneeling of the flag, but it also talks about the All Lives Matter movement. Mm. And um, this is, I think the All Lives Matter movement is something that I could have easily brought up at any point in this podcast, and <laughs> yeah. it would have had some form of relevance. Right. But I think this is a good place to bring it up as well. So looking at the whole kneeling situation, or at least in terms of Drew Brees, right? Mm-hmm. I think Drew Brees, he released that statement, and he said um, he said something like, oh, I... Like he does, like he was I, saying I he doesn't stand... Yeah, I don't stand with those who kneel for the flag, because yeah. I, don't, I won't stand for the disrespect of the flag the because I have yeah. individuals who have risked their lives. And honestly, all respect to the veterans, um, my mom works for the VA, so like I've personally met a lot of the people who, you of know, course, yeah, yeah, go to the VA, and mm-hmm. they're they're all great guys. You know, they're all young, they're... I mean, yes, they're struggling with a lot of numerous issues, but they're all great guys, you know? Right. And I have a lot of respect for veterans, but I think the conversation runs deeper past the idea of disrespecting a flag. And I think a lot of people um, seem to forget that. And I think that's mm-hmm. something J.J. Watt, I noticed J.J. Watt may, may have said it today. He said something and he said that I feel as though a lot of people are missing the point. And if you're still talking about disrespecting the flag, that's completely disregarding the fact that there's more to this conversation than a flag. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there's lives at risk is what he said. So when I look at the whole conversation of disrespecting the flag, I mean, I personally, I, I try not to anger anyone when I talk about it, but <laughs> yeah. the way that I see it is, it's it's ironic because the person who actually told Colin Kaepernick to kneel at the flag was a veteran. Yeah. Because I remember the first time that he actually um, did not celebrate the national anthem, yeah. he was actually sitting down. And then a veteran got so upset and he was frustrated and 
he wrote a letter to Colin Kaepernick, and Colin Kaepernick invited him. They had a conversation, and the man started to understand where Colin was coming from. And he said, hey, instead of sitting down, because a lot of people feel disrespected when you do that, try kneeling. Because a lot of times, a lot of veterans, what they'll do is they'll kneel at the grave of a fallen soldier, or they'll kneel in a lot of different situations. Mm -hmm. So if you did that, it's slightly more respectful. And I think when Colin started to do that, I realized, I'm like, okay, it's still respectful to the flag, in in my opinion, still respectful to the flag, but he's still at the same time trying to bring, bring awareness to a conversation that we've been avoiding for years Mm -hmm. you know and in a way this was a very peaceful protest and i get it you know there's some people who will disagree and just say no no matter what i will always feel disrespected by someone doing that and okay i completely understand you know that's something that we don't have to agree on but if you can at least look at it and say there's still an issue with unarmed black individuals being killed in america by people we should not fear like a police officer Mm -hmm then I think that's all that matters. Right. You know, like if we don't agree on the whole respect of the respect of veterans and the flags, I completely understand if you feel disrespected, you know? But if we can at least agree on that, then awesome. We can make progress. You know? That the conversation shouldn't end at someone feeling just disrespected because it's a differing opinion in mm. my like, yeah. or at least that's the way that I live. Like, you know, just because someone has a different opinion from me, I don't shut down the conversation. I only shut down conversation when I feel as though someone is purposefully ignoring a factual statement. Right. Right. You know, that that's the only time that I feel as though a conversation shouldn't continue because uh-huh. at this point, I mean, what what are we talking about? Right. We're sitting there arguing something that you don't quite have evidence to back up. Yeah. So Regarding the whole kneeling situation and regarding, I guess, the whole black lives, like black lives being, you know, shot by um, police officers or even killed by police officers and in the conversation of George Floyd. um, A lot of the response that you hear or a lot of responses that I've heard from other people are all lives matter. And you know how I feel about this. (laughs) Um, It's I don't like getting upset about it. And I, I, I won't get upset about it now, obviously. But I feel like it's a very kind of easy um it's a very easy point to refute uh, and trust me i completely agree all lives matter i think everyone life's life matters trust me 1000 percent. but it's just as easy to say that if you if black lives don't matter then all lives can't matter because if black lives aren't included in that then what's what's the point right and I mean, I guess most people, when they when they refute that, they they say that, oh, that well, black lives aren't in danger. A lot of times, it's it's kind of made up, or at least yeah. it's, it's something that a lot of the media wants you to see, right? And to that, I say, for most black people, or at least I'm speaking for myself when I say this, I don't quite feel safe all the time around a police officer, right? You know, it's it's we all kind of have this general nervousness. And I don't, I don't think this nervousness has come from things you see in the media or constantly hearing these things. I've had that nervousness since I was young. I've, I've always had it. It's always this, this uneasiness, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I've seen, I've seen my my fair share of, of policemen being rough with black people, and then I look at a completely situ- different situation with a white person, and like I feel like there's not much of a reaction, you know. Right, so right. I think it it runs deeper than just like if you feel as though Black Lives Matter is a very made up concept I, I invite you to you know educate me on that talk to me on that if you right. believe that then please open dialogue with me but from my own personal experience or at least from the, a lot of the experience that i've seen from a lot of 
African-Americans around me, it's pretty general. And I think when that, when, when an idea that potent is general, you shouldn't just be ignoring it. Right. Right. At this point, it, it includes you because yeah. let's say you have an African-American friend, like, you know, at that point, it, by you wanting to engage in that, you know, in that friend, in that, in that culture, it immediately opens you to be aware of those issues. Right. You know, and it, it, it hurts when you see people in wanting wanting to engage in the culture, but not wanting to engage in the issues that come with that culture. I know, right? I mean, I mean, it's it, it's just it's just interesting to me that like when we speak of diversity, mm. you know, America's clearly one of the most diverse places on earth, right? Like, yeah, it's it's insane just if you look at our friend group alone, right? Just our friend group Very alone true. and hearing like where everybody is from. Of course, you know, I'm responsible for like 10% of that diversity. <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously, it, it, it just, like you're saying, right? Like, it, if something that big, if it's not talking about you, per se, like your group of people, just mm. because we're it, this nation is so diverse and you interact, you, no one has the luxury of living in their own bubble when it comes to living in America. Like, it's almost, it's almost impossible for you to go through life and not interact with someone of a different race. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it, it's it's it, it, you'd be foolish to think so, right? Mm-hmm. So for a country like this, I feel it should be so much easier to convince people to care about a conversation that doesn't necessarily affect them, but affects another group of people. Because more than likely, you're gonna interact with that group of people in yeah. a place like this where we have so much diversity. And you know, speaking back on that whole "all lives matter" thing. It goes back to what I've been saying for a long time now, and I know I've said it to you repeatedly. I could see a situation where in a parallel universe, all lives matter is the slogan that black people use to try and speak about this equality that they long for, you know? Yeah. I don't think the message at all is horrible. Not at all. And I think that's the that's the problem with a lot of people that that say all lives matter. It's like I don't disagree, you know. Exactly. As a as a black person, as a black American in America, I feel someone if there was no Black Lives Matter, it would be all lives matter. Do you get do you kinda mm-hmm. get the point I'm trying to say? Yeah. The only reason why there's so much disagreement with All Lives Matter as a movement is because it's in response to something else. That's where the problem comes. It doesn't come from yeah. the message. The message is pure, it's innocent, it's simple. Mm-hmm. It, it's the most simple way, you know. To say equality, very simple. All lives matter. You could be five years old and understand what that conversation means. You know what mm. I'm saying? Yeah. But I guess people fail to realize that the way you kind of use it, it's only used in response, exactly. Or as, like as that's, an argument. That's where people have a problem with it. If if you're at if you're looking at someone saying Black Lives Matter and your response is All Lives Matter, that is the problem. Not what you're saying. What you're saying is fine. It's not a mm. swear word. It's it's a very yeah. simple statement that we could yeah. all agree on. But it just bothers me when people truly believe that black Americans or people of color or anybody who's for Black Lives Matter disagrees with the concept of all lives matter. Nobody disagrees with that. Nobody disagrees with that concept. Every That's... The fundamentals of All Lives Matter are the same reason why Black Lives Matter became a movement. That's true. And I think people don't realize that. Like, Black Lives Matter isn't, in a way, isn't at all a group of people trying to make the black race more important than the other ones. 
Mm. It's just a cry of individuals, a group of people that have been oppressed for a really long time, trying to point out the injustices that they've had to deal with from a really young age and express it in a way that is simple for you to understand. And it's that the way you live, I just want to live like that because I can't even afford to live like that. I don't have the luxury that you have to walk around the street at a certain time of day and not have to worry about like a policeman stopping you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think when we talk about black lives matter, the arguments that arise from it are a lot more complex than the idea itself. Like the idea is so simple. It's so simple to understand. And it bothers me. It really does bother me when people say all lives matter and it's in response to black lives matter. And they think we don't agree. At that point, it's just fact check, right? Like just sit down and just be willing to learn, just just be willing to listen at that point, because it's absurd. It's honestly absurd how, all lives matter has become this huge thing and it's it's like two separate worlds fighting against each other when ultimately we're saying the same thing yeah and i mean i think it's like i think it's a concept that a lot of people use in response but i don't mm-hmm. think they understand that the reason why black lives matter is even such was such a, a powerful movement was because it's coming from a group of people who were previously oppressed like when you hear right. all lives matter not all lives in this country didn't mean something at one point you get what i'm saying like it's like black lives matter is saying something because prior to i guess this period of time Mm -hmm. or i guess prior to us this movement it's at one point black lives didn't matter right i think all you kind of really need to say is is just that one statement it's that the reason why black lives matter is a valid movement is because at one point it wasn't like black lives did not matter Mm -hmm. but with all lives matter it's like yes all lives do matter but there wasn't at one there wasn't one point in our history where you could say all lives didn't, didn't matter. matter. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Like I mean, there's always been groups in this country who were marginalized. Don't get me of wrong. Of course. But I think there was a group there's a point in time in our history where there was a group of people whose lives only their lives mattered mm-hmm. and another group's didn't. That's kind of why you have to point out one more than the other. You know, I yeah. I th- I think that's really my response to the whole all lives matter movement and i mean if someone disagrees with me disagrees with me again i please invite <laughs> you to talk to me because i i'd love to talk about it but i promise raf will not yell at you oh no i'm he might I sound really heated would. about it right now <laughs> oh yeah no I, I trust me i would not yell at you but yeah. i am really interested in the conversation and anyone who disagrees with me and is willing to talk to me about it please do like i mean i don't I'm not going to throw away an entire friendship just because you disagree with me. As long as you do it in a respectful and, you know, factual right, way, right. I don't really quite have problems with you, yeah. you know? So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I live with people who have differing opinions, opinions with me all the time. Like, right, I, I'm right. with people who differ from my way of thinking all the time. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of education. Yeah. Why do you think I'm in college? Right. So, like, it, it comes from a place where, you know, yes, I might disagree with you. But it's still important to have the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, that that's the way I see it. So I guess that's my whole take on the All Lives Matter thing. And looking at more public reactions to the whole situation, I mean, I guess we can get into The Bachelor. Um, shout out to a lot of my friends who watch The Bachelor. Uh, <laughs> you guys know who you are. But I actually noticed this this um, this Bachelor thing from, yeah. one of a, from a friend's story. And right. I think she knows who she is. I didn't sign up <laughs> on the story to tell her, but... I hope she knows who she is. So I saw it and 
I don't know. I, I felt like it was kind of like a band-aid to the whole situation. I like I mean, okay, so if you don't know the situation. Right, right. Um <laughs> The Bachelor. I think everyone right. here knows everyone who's listening knows what the Bachelor is. There's the Bachelor, then there's the Bachelorette. So the Bachelor, you know, you have one guy and he has like I don't know how many. He was like what, fifteen to twenty? I don't know. Women who live in so like they live in a house. It's just it's just too many to too I many like to how think I like how we're telling people that we're explaining the whole concept of the Bachelor and we don't have our facts straight just because we don't watch it. Oh, you can say <laughs> but like okay. I guess we understand the general concept. Yeah, no, I, so we, okay, we so can I'm have just gonna opinion. assume everyone knows the general concept. You know, one guy, he's going on all these dates with different girls to see if he can find his, you know, his Cinderella, his his yeah. his number one girl or whatever. And for the first time in Bachelor history, they picked an African American leading Bachelor. I mean, they—I right. think in—I think it was 2017. Mm-hmm. They when picked, they had the Bachelorette, and yeah. she was she, she was, was African American. Yeah. yeah. So I think the first female African American lead was Rachel Lindsay in 2017, and now they're choosing Matt James, Matthew James. Matt James, yeah. And I actually saw something. He was actually a wide receiver for Wake Forest. Oh really? Yeah, no, uh-huh. I, I kind of want to go back and watch his highlights, but like, <laughs> so I remember reading that, and I was a little, I was skeptical at first because I saw it, and I was very excited because in the entertainment industry, it's very important to start breaking down these barriers, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, introducing this diversity, but it makes you wonder whether it's authentic enough, you know? And it's, I mean, I guess it's a question. I guess my my primary question to you is, does it matter if it's authentic? Wow, that's a great that's a great question. And because I don't think we, I, had th- we had thought about that exactly, at all. and it's something that I've been thinking about, but I wasn't sure how to articulate it. Literally until this moment, I think I think honestly, it's not. I guess when you're saying that, when you're saying is it authentic, it's the question of, is oh, it yeah. truly them making progress as far as, mm. you know, in their organization starting to allow for more diversity and I guess get rid of the whole. Mem- I don't know, racist mentality, if it ever existed. I'm not saying it did. I'm not saying it didn't. And you're saying authentic in that it's not necessarily in response to pressure. I mean, I guess like social pressure. If it's easier to answer it this way, you could answer first off specifically in this circumstance. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about it? And then I guess after looking at even other areas of the industry, because we still have to talk about a few other topics, actually, like, you know, Band-Aids and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> but there are actually numerous responses in not only the fashion industry, the entertainment industry right. that a lot of corporations are having. And I kind of want to get to this bottom, this primary end all to be all questions just because they put a temporary solution right now. Like, is it authentic and does it matter if it's okay, authentic? That's- I think that's the end all to be all question. But for now, you can. I guess we can just get to like the bachelor. And I how think we feel okay. About that. So I will say first off, shout out to, you know, Matt James, right? Uh, yeah. Shout out to him. Of it, course, he's he feels like a pioneer right now. It's an amazing thing that's happened, oh, yeah. and it's something to be proud of. I think it should it we should certainly celebrate it. But I think as far as it being authentic, I have to say, absolutely not. You know, that's how I feel about it. I think that right now we're we're in a time where a lot of people's actions are as a result of social pressure and for an organization as as big as the bachelor you know it's it's I want to say convenient that they've come up with this in response to the protests that have been happening but 
it's important to know that this is a conversation that has been going on for a really long time now, you know? Yeah. Like, I obviously, when I was growing up, like, my, my family watched The Bachelor. My mom was a huge fan. Uh, I was younger, obviously. I really didn't care, but I watched it still. And this whole question of, will there ever be a black bachelor? Will there ever be a black bachelorette? Isn't something that started today, you know? Yeah. George Floyd isn't the reason it happened, or it might be the straw that broke the camel's back. But it's important to note that there's so many other things that have happened in the past that people have been questioning and and, and, it, and it has come up. Like, I was seeing that people signed out a petition to say they wanted, like, a black bachelor, and that's part of the reason it happened. But I guess... I can absolutely tell, I can see right through it and say it's all in response to the social pressure and seeming to be doing the right thing. Um, I thought, well, I think what was interesting, of course, like when I was reading his statement, he was talking about how Rachel Lindsay, who was a black American woman who was the first bachelorette, he was saying about how when she speaks, we listen. Like she's apparently she has a very powerful voice and has a lot of influence within the bachelor and bachelorette kind of franchise, which is great, obviously. And so he was saying like, it's great that she wanted this to happen for the longest time. And she finally figured out a way to make it happen. But what was interesting was her statement about the whole thing, you know, like she came out and she was talking about how like, it's great. Congratulations to him ought to be celebrated but she was saying she would be remiss to to not acknowledge the fact that this seems like more of just a response to social pressure than it actually is a true representation of the progress that the franchise has made in terms of bringing more diversity to the show. And she strongly believes that that alone isn't the end if that's all they do, then they haven't done anything at all. And it seems like they've actually progressed backwards. Like she wants to see more changes within the organization to facilitate more diversity and celebrate African-American relationships. You know, even they issued a statement about that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so all over the place about it because we, I just found out about this statement right before we started recording for this podcast. And I'm still coming to terms with my thoughts and feelings about the whole thing. Yeah. But from the get-go, my, my initial thought was just like, yeah, right, convenient that you do this today. Like, it convenient you do it during a time like this. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, is it does it matter? I guess we could look at other situations and then come to a full come back to that? conclusion. Okay. We'll get back to that question. <laughs> I mean, if you guys have your own um, ideas on right. whether or not it matters if it's authentic or not, then I guess we can talk about that uh, with certain individuals and bring a few on, few people on the show, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm actually looking forward to that. But another portion I think it's important to discuss is, I think, I don't know if you heard about it, but I know my sister just told about told me about it this morning. It has to do with yeah. Band-Aids. Uh, it, it's, it might be one of the weirder things I've ever heard. But apparently, <laughs> Band-Aids are supposed, to be co- are supposed to come in, like, skin tones, right? And they've never released a shade for black people you know you've always seen band-aids kind of have that fleshy like and honestly me even saying like fleshy like you know this word's nasty but like (laughs) me even saying that term like where it's kind of like pinkish you know pinkish like really really tan so you look at that and i guess band-aids been obviously producing band-aids that look like that all the time and they're actually now starting to get into the works of creating darker colored band-aids because you're not supposed to be able to see band-aids 
on your skin. You're not, you're really not supposed to, but I mean, apparently there's already been a company that's been creating, um, bandages for African-Americans. It's called Brownages. The, it, when I first heard the name, I seriously thought it was, I thought it was made up, but I guess that goes to show that I'm really uninformed, but <laughs> <laughs> my sister informed me. So, um, takes a second to self reflect. Oh, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about band-aids, uh, the band-aid corporation doing that. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it's, it speaks volumes to the whole concept of even the word nude and it has to even run into the whole fashion industry to where I think it was a, it's been a conversation for a few years, but I found a few articles where a lot of people found there to be not a full representation of what the color nude meant, whether it's in makeup, whether it's in um, undergarments, whatever it may be. Whenever you think of the color nude, you don't think of black. You don't think not black, but you don't think of dark Brown. You don't think of African-American skin. You think of, uh, a white a white person's skin or like light like tan whatever it may be so i think it's interesting that the fashion industry and even i mean i can't believe i'm associating band-aids with the fashion industry but i think it's interesting that this whole i guess color scheme is becoming questions a, a full-on right. question in our society and i right. think it's 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 interesting but i do think it's it's not I mean, I don't think it was gonna come out in a clean fashion at all. I Ever. think it's it's yeah. always something like something as clear as, you know, redefining what the word uh what color nude refers to. Just that alone, it wasn't gonna come out in a clean fashion. So Absolutely it's always not, gonna yeah. be um it's always gonna come out of a heated conversation. So a heated conversation is such as, you know, what African Americans are going through right now. Uh-huh. So I do think it's I don't think it's quite as much a form of compensation or like, you know, saving face for Band-Aids. I do think right. it's just a genuine, you know, reaction that they've probably been getting demands for years. They've probably, probably been hearing yeah. this conversation from a lot of people. They just now more than ever, there's a serious backlash if you don't yeah. do it, something it, about it. It might be one of those situations where it was, it was so subtle to where you could probably look at it and not see any racial perspective i guess you know it's probably just something that they did and probably didn't well not maybe not didn't know what they were doing but mostly so it wasn't something that was like inherently racist do you get what i'm saying like it was probably something very subtle and so i think you raise a good point by saying them changing it probably took a time like this where everything was a little more extreme and people were a lot more enraged i guess yeah to address this issue because honestly it's one of those things where it's like it's important but it's not so important you know like it's not the end of the world type of things Mm -hmm. so i guess you're right absolutely we probably would have never heard you know the fact that we didn't even know this was this was a thing until they decided to change it do you know what i mean like the fact that a lot of us only came to the show so late that by the time we heard about it the changes were already made Mm-hmm. just goes to show how it, it, it might be one of those situations where th- there were no racial implications until such a time like this where it's somebody pointed it out. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's, that's a really good point. And I think that even refers to, I guess, a lot of, a, a few other conversations that I, I've wanted to talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at NASCAR banning the Confederate flag, I feel like the Confederate flag has been such a conversation for so many years. But hearing that NASCAR just banned it, 
That's kind of surprising. Like, I mean, it wasn't yeah. really, it wasn't one of those conversations. It wasn't similar to the NFL kneeling situation where it's like, right, right. It took the higher ups months and over, I mean, obviously years to right. get to the point where they can say, okay, we'll allow this to happen. You know, it's, it was always constantly an argument in the NFL and with, the NASCAR, I just I heard about it and I was like, what the heck? And so I mean, if there's any NASCAR fans out there who want to tell me that this has been in the works for a long time, please do tell me. But from what I saw, I heard it and I was like, wow, that's actually really surprising that mm-hmm. it was such a forward and quick motion to just strike any you know sentiment of the Confederate flag away from the sport. Right. So I mean, I I look at that and I I consider it a very a very forward looking step. I mean, it's right. I mean, obviously, anytime we remove something from our past, it's because we're trying to look forward. But I do believe that it came from a place where the the pressure, not just the pressure, but I also think it might have been of their own volition. Maybe it's been a like I said, maybe it's been a topic that they've been wrestling with for a few years now. But I do think it's it's an interesting response considering the circumstances. But another piece that I wanted to discuss actually is probably one of the more final pieces I have concerning public relations, uh, public reaction, excuse me, um, was the NBA. The NBA having this like this current argument between players, whether or not they should restart their season, I think it's so important. I think it's honestly kind of beautiful where you kind of have these these two points where, I mean, yes, there, there's people who are massive role models in African-American communities, like LeBron James, who want to start the NBA season. But then you have other players who also mean a lot to their communities, Lou Williams, you know, um, Kyrie Irving. I think it was also, who was it? Steven Jackson. And they were saying that they feel as though the restart of the NBA season would do nothing but take away from the conversation we're trying to have. You know, we, we, they feel, they feel as though it would dampen and kind of distract a lot of people. Like a lot of people would just start turning on NBA games come July and they wouldn't want to talk about anything. They kind of just see people like, do they just see all these athletes playing? And it's just a really good distraction. And I think something that it, it harps on the idea that, I mean, I think you, you pointed out earlier is that the fact that we're in quarantine Right, right. Or at least a lot of areas, you know, still are. That alone has made us hyper-focus on a lot of topics. Right. A lot of things. Even before this whole George Floyd situation. Right. When the Lana Del Rey thing happened, the letter, you know, God God rest her soul, like she And then Doja Cat before that. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Doja. Like a lot of things have happened where it's like we put all of our attention on this one thing and then, you know, it, it... it can either die out or it can stay strong. And I think that's the, the fear with a lot of NBA players where they're they're concerned that this entertainment, which the NBA is a majority of African-Americans, a lot of people have this fear that, you know, seeing the higher up African-Americans be okay with it and all of a sudden just not really talk about it. Now, I don't have to talk about it. And I think a lot of people want this conversation to end. A lot of people. You know, it, it is exhausting. I right. will even straight up say myself, who wants this conversation to continue, I, at one point, when we were taking all those phone calls to just talk to friends, I was exhausted. Yeah. Like, I would take yeah. naps in the middle of the day through phone, like, in between phone calls, simply because I was tired. Right. Like, it is a very exhausting thing to do, but it's important. Absolutely. So, with the NBA restart, I mean, I know I have my take on it, but, I mean, what what do you think about the whole situation? I mean, do you think they should restart? I mean, what, what do you, 
what do you feel might be a good solution? I think that it's it's difficult. The whole question of restarting, obviously, we, we wouldn't have needed to do so if it wasn't for coronavirus. So I think we have two compelling factors that are probably in favor of not restarting the season. And I think that, you know, whichever way you look at it, it it's a difficult decision for whoever has to make that decision, right? Like, yeah, just trying to guarantee the safety of all these players. Like, I know they came up with a plan for isolation and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're trying to take notes from organizations like the UFC that have been able to have numerous live events, so many fights, right? And still keeping everybody safe. Yeah. But, you know, it's difficult. It, it's difficult alone just to address the whole idea of keeping the players safe and ensuring that this is done in the most harmless way possible. So adding on the whole idea of we're at a very crucial time in history right now as far as, you know, black people in America, people of color, you know, the the conversation of equality in America. It's tough. And I can definitely see how they're right to say it'll take attention away from the conversation. You know, at this point, people are looking for distractions, not because they're bored like before. It's more mm-hmm. of we're exhausted about being addressed with real issues you know yeah. like for a while everyone was saying i want sports to come back because i'm bored i have nothing to do and now it's like i want sports to come back so i when i go on twitter there's something more than just a thousand other people talking about the same thing talking about the protests talking about george floyd's murder right like i've seen numerous i mean i felt this like you said i felt this way myself you know for for mm-hmm. a couple of days i was like wow twitter not that twitter isn't funny anymore but it's like it's hard to go on twitter and not and not see this stuff you know, yeah, like I, 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 I personally use Twitter a lot to look at COVID-19 updates globally, obviously, because, you know, I'm not from here and I have a lot of friends all over the place and I want to know how everyone's doing. And in the last couple of days or weeks, even it's become extremely difficult to find any sort of information about that, because even under the COVID-19 page, this seems to be talk about the protests, you know, yeah. so, so. I think, yeah, you're right. It, it would be a huge distraction and a distraction that a lot of individuals would welcome. And I think that's therein lies the problem. The fact that everyone's just ready to give up on the on the topic. So I, yeah. in my opinion, you know, from the standpoint of propagating this message, mm-hmm. I don't think they should restart. You know, it sucks to say because we all want to see live sports and we all want to watch some basketball because that's what we're used to doing during a time like this. Right playoff basketball would be peak right now so of course i i i I see that everyone's kind of been in hiding for the last couple of months but we're in a unique time right now we are faced with a dilemma and issue that we have to face head-on because for the longest time we've kind of swept it under the rug so i hadn't even looked at it that way but but now that i do absolutely 100 percent. i don't think they should restart if there's even the slightest of chance that it might take away from the progress that has probably been made in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a chance to, I guess, etch history. You know, I think the coronavirus, like COVID-19 is already, it's already going to have its, its massive, I guess, blip in history. Right. So why let that be the only thing, you know, like, I mean, like, I don't want to, I don't want to look back in 2020, 50 years from now, and say, dang, you know, 
that that quarantine it was rough but hey got through it and then seem to forget all the very important conversations that have a massive effect on my family in the future you know right, it's right. i would be doing the people in my future a disservice if i was to just disregard that and not try to do something uh-huh. you know so i do think it's very important to i guess just let the nba season pass on like you know wait wait till next year it's right. unfortunate and i think a lot of sports are you know trying to find new ways to just like start back up and it's 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 very sad to know a lot of things like that are going to be at a standstill because of it uh-huh. but i think this is an opportunity to make a greater change in the future than we've had before right you know so why not take that opportunity but then again i'm you know i'm just one man i'm i'm one man in this massive sea of sports fans so <laughs> please don't crucify me for it but i guess i'm willing to sacrifice that for the potential betterment of future lives right right i know professional athletes like they have a lot to consider you know this is their livelihood right you know i know baseball is probably going through a time right now where they might actually not end up I think I think there was talks about them struggling to even like really get to a point where they could start the season, right? Or at least you know have some type of you know mm-hmm. intermediate uh, games here and there for fans because a lot of these players they want their money, right? And that's completely fair. A lot of I mean a lot of low lower level professional athletes. I mean lower level not taking away from the phenomenal athletic ability <laughs> that a lot of them have and the technique that they have. Yeah. It's a lot of them. They rely on this to maintain their lives, maintain their family, right, li- yes, families' lives, maintain true. their parents' lives. Mm-hmm. So it is unfortunate, and I think it's it's not really quite my place to say that. Oh yeah, no, we should sacrifice sports, no doubt. Right. But part of me thinks that there's a greater effect to be had mm-hmm. at a time like this right. than to just not have a season. I think know? it just goes back to the whole concept, the the whole thing what we're talking about, right? When you when we were addressing how quarantine and the whole pandemic has allowed us to address a lot of the issues that have been going on in our society but we've seemingly never had the time to address right yeah so i guess when you look at that it's it's hard to deny that continuing in with a situation like this where there isn't much else going on on tv other than us talking about the issues at hand it's it's yeah. tough to deny that the NBA reopening or any other sport reopening w- w- wouldn't be a distraction that will take away from the movement, quote unquote. Right? It, yeah. We've just seen it with quarantine in itself. Like we, so many, so many things that we've only spoken about briefly when we've had an extra five minutes, but we're spending more and more time discussing because we realize how important it is into the people around us. Right? Like mm-hmm. here we are talking on a podcast that we you know obviously we have plans of starting but we never were serious about it until such a time when we were like okay we got to start taking these things seriously and i think a lot of people have that realization and a lot more people are willing to listen and and to raise their voices and and speak to what they truly believe Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a tough it's a tough spot for a lot of people like you said like you're a sports fan i am too like i love i you know just the fact that I came here and I didn't know a lot of the rules for a lot of the sports here, like hockey, baseball, mm-hmm. basketball, and maybe a little bit um, football, just not knowing the rules. And I was so eager to learn them all. And I just got invested and I picked a team. and I was like, I'm going to support this team. The <laughs> fact that I yeah, just goes to show I'm a sports fan as well. Like I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm also too grown to ignore that. 
there's there are real issues going on right now yeah. that that need all of our attention. Very true. Yeah. Just hearing, you know, one of the one of the major industries that we've been seeing a lot of talk, a lot of change, a lot of effort has been the music industry, obviously. Oh, yes. Right. And a lot of artists coming out, dropping songs to do with what's been happening, their personal thoughts and feelings towards it. And, you know, we list like a bunch of artists, Yeah, you know, like and honestly across numerous different genres. I right, mean, obviously right. it's it's dominated from one genre. Of course. Yeah. yeah. We did hear that one song by who was it? Mickey. I don't know. What's her name? I think it was like Mickey, Mickey Dunton oh, or something like that. Gunton. Yeah. I think it was Mickey. Yeah, she's like a country singer. Guyton. Yes. Mickey Guyton. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, yeah. Black like me. A, oh, oh, gosh. It was yeah. actually a great song. If you guys get the chance, please go listen to it. Right. It's actually... For someone who really never, ever, you will never catch me <laughs> listening to country. I mean, obviously, I think it, it, what motivated me to listen to this was the message. And of course. I believe she got to, she she got the message across in a no, beautiful she way. She did. She did. Very absolutely. beautiful way. I mean, numerous other songs that were released. I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of people have heard. I mean, Lil Baby, he dropped a song. Um, it was titled, what was it? The Bigger the Picture. Bigger picture um, yeah. I thought I loved that song. You've heard me play it over and over yeah, and over and over and over yeah. again. I enjoy the song very much so. I mean, Meek Mill dropped a song. T Grizzly, he dropped that song with Queen Nyjah and the Detroit Youth Choir. I mean, that, I mean, Queen Nyjah's more R&B soul, but I think it just goes to show that a lot of artists want to have a say mm-hmm. in what's going on. And oh, also not to mention, you know, really big, the baby. He dropped, I think it was a, re- it's called the Black Lives Matter remix to Rockstar with Roddy Rich. Right. I mean, I thought it was a, it was a subpar song, but like it was, <laughs> it was, it was subpar, still. Subpar, but that's a conversation uh, for another Yeah, that's day. a conversation <laughs> for another time. So like, honestly, I do think it is amazing that a lot of different artists are trying to use their platforms in life-changing ways. And a lot of them, a lot of them, when they, when they say these things, they rep a certain area that means a lot. So like Mm. most people who are from their area, they know who they are. They know what they're talking about. So I think it was kind of, it was really awesome hearing a lot of these things from numerous different artists. Um, And I kind of hope to see more. I kind of hope to see a lot more. I noticed that on Spotify, um, in the Black Lives Matter uh, playlist that they created, you see a lot of Kendrick Lamar. You see a lot of um, I mean, Pimple Butterfly. I mean, and yeah, that's Kendrick my Lamar released an album to speak about it. You know, like exactly. he, an entire project just talking about it. And- exactly. So I mean, I think it just goes to show that the music industry has been aware of a lot of these issues, and you see a lot of people discussing it. But I think it's time for us to just kind of slowly start to ease away from the entertainment aspect of this conversation, yeah. and more so into the real life nitty gritty. You know talk to me kind right, of thing you right. know it, it's uncomfortable again like we've said before um but it's important so i mean that all that being said i guess this we we can trace back to the end all to be all question and this will be <laughs> our final closing point for the podcast are a lot of these movements and a lot of these changes being made are is it okay that i mean they're, they're being made without really much of a direction or do you think you know it's our duty to not just rush into these changes but to kind of find the the find the systemic problems in which they lay and change those first because that's a long game like that that is yeah. that's playing the long game yeah. to its highest form but at the same time theoretically it's it's the ideal way to solve this okay so 
in order to answer that question, I'm going to split up our solutions to either short term and long term, just because I think those are general terms that will everyone will find very easy to understand. Mm-hmm. I think in certain ins- situations and certain organizations, there is need for both short term and long term. I think that long term solutions are obviously the the goal that we all want to reach. And like in a situation like the LA Galaxy, you could see how I wasn't necessarily for the short term goal and I was more focused on the long term. But then we look at a situation like our law enforcement, right? The fact that black Americans, African-Americans, people of color are at a higher threat of losing their life while in police custody. Like there needs to be an end to that immediately. You know, like I'm not I don't think that we ought to wait 20 years to change our system as a whole or to educate our police officers more before we put an end to this. You know, Mm. enough is enough at this point that we're not. I don't think we should be sacrificing anyone else. And I know that we've spent a lot of time talking about the long-term issues like, oh, change how they're trained, you know, all that stuff. Like, oh, there has to be more accountability. It's great. But ultimately, right now, what I want to hear is no more, you know? I think that's yeah. what's important to to realize. There, there are certain circumstances that and, and situations, organizations that can afford to not have a short-term solution, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing with The Bachelor... I couldn't have cared less if the next bachelor was white again. You know, it's not like the end of the world. I would have rather they made a statement to try and improve the fundamentals of, you know, the franchise as a whole and work on the building blocks to try and change the perspective around the franchise rather than just doing the one thing to appease everybody. Mm. I don't quite think that they needed to do that, even though they did. It's great. You know, it's a step in the right direction. But you're taking a step from the wrong place, in my opinion. Like, oh, okay. So, I see what you mean. so I, that's I think, point. I think it's important to know that, of course, everything that's happening right now, we can accredit it to social pressure, just people crying out for some sort of solution, and organizations and big corporations, people in power, just giving them those solutions. Yeah. But there are places where we expect an immediate solution. And as well as a long-term solution. And then there are certain times, instances where it's like, it's okay if you don't have a short-term solution to fix this. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking forward to the plans that you may have for the future. Yeah. You know? So I hope I was able to, like, address address that whole, no, honestly, address that whole was, thing. And that was great. <laughs> and, and I explained it the way, the way I look at it. Yeah. That being said... We want to thank you for giving you your time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, thank you for listening. You know, if you look forward to, you know, next week's episode, please let us know. Uh, we'd love the feedback. Anything anything helps, really. Honestly. This is the first time I think either of us have ever been behind a microphone, so. It was fun. Oh, no. Actually, <laughs> this was, was so a lot of fun. fun. But um, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. See you next week. Have a good one.